Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. In this podcast, we chat about Bora's last-minute winner against Blackpool. We chat transfers with Aaron Connolly set to sign for Bora next week. We look ahead to Sheffield United, and of course, we answer your podcast questions. This is the Bora Breakdown Podcast, and this is all your match day chatter in a pod. Wants support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Bora Podcast that gives you all of the Bora Match Day Chatter in a podcast. And well, Bora made it five wins from six thanks to a last-minute winner from Duncan Watmore. The win reduced the gap to six points from the top two, sent 3,000 Bora fans into delirium and Neil Madison into Joe Pasquale. Oh, it's absolutely bedlam! What a finish to the game that is! Down the right-hand side once more! He squares it. I think it's Duncan Watmore that gets the touch. The voice is gone. The Barapatsabal absolutely finished it. What a finish to the game. Hey, I tell you what, they must be forking out to get Joe, Joe Pasquale in a commentary, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> but now it's all Brilliant. calmed down. Now it's all calmed down, guys. Um, Dana, how are you feeling, in, if you can get any words after that performance yesterday? You know what? I actually have three words for this one, and it's just go, on, go for your three words. We'll, we'll go back just, to the original. It's just oh my god, because that game. Firstly, it was enjoyable, but secondly, the way that it ended. I mean, to go from such a high of we're winning, we could see out this victory to off oh, typical Borough. We've conceded a late equaliser, and then to the absolute, as you said, delirium of just cloud nine was was unbelievable and I tell you what that is why we invest so much time money and emotion into football for moments like that moments like that make it all worthwhile and it does show the sign of a good team to be pegged back in that way and then to overcome that and I tell you what I, I love it for every single Borough fan that was in that away end yesterday it looked absolutely bonkers and it's games like that that really stick in the memory we always remember Rhodes against Bolton we remember Forshaw against Reading and Nugent against Hull even going back to Emnes against Leeds we always remember these last minute goals that that really 
they really stick. They live long in the memory, and that was another one that Borough fans, particularly those that were there, will remember for a long, long time. Shout out to Project Emnes. Um, <laughs> but, but no, absolutely, Dana. Fans were going absolutely mental yesterday. And it, you're right, it's, it's those moments that make football very, very fun to watch. Um, but Tom, what's going to be your, your three words? Because you said we're going up in the last podcast. Oh, well, I wasn't Julie. expecting three words here. I was just going to say absolutely broken. But... <laughs> well, go, hey, go, go for as many as you want, mate. It's it's Christmas. Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, just absolutely buzzing with that. I think um, I saw something on Twitter earlier. I think it was a Gazette headline where it was saying um, it's turning kind of dreams into belief. And I definitely feel like that's the case. I think that, that sums it up perfectly. I think that it, it's games like that where, like, as, as Dana said, the ones that kind of stick in the memory, the the last minute winners, but also like the fine margins it comes down to. I, I think looking back on some of the games from like our promotion season, you know, the, the goals we were scoring, like four shows last minute, one against Reading, uh, even like Ensue against Burnley at the Riverside, like it's just fine margins either side could have like hit the post, could have been saved. I, I feel like that's what it was for like the. Um, the second goal yesterday, proper fine margin off uh, off what Moz boot into the into the back of the net. But I feel like w- when stuff like that happens, you you get the belief that it's it's kind of meant to be. Um, so yeah, starting to really believe in in the team. It, it was a great game last night. Um, I think I summed it up at one point as being like a basketball game because it was just so end to end. Uh, like enjoyable from from both teams to watch and and just w- what a way to win it. Oh, absolutely! The, the, a last minute win is always very sweet. Uh, I, I think what you were, I think uh, your your mate uh, Benjamin Button Bloom, uh, Dennis, <laughs> you were saying something's going on at Middlesbrough. And I, I, I genuinely feel like it's something is now. I think when you win five games out of six against the teams that we've we've won against, it does get that belief back into fans. And I think yeah. my three my three words would be absolutely unbelievable, Jeff. I think we <laughs> we we just we just seem to to pull results out when things aren't going our way now. And I think that that's that's kind of the, the new Middlesbrough we want to see, and uh, the new Middlesbrough we want to resonate with. Um, but let's let's break down the game then, because Middlesbrough made two changes to the side that one and, um, on Boxing Day with Bamber and Peltier coming in for Housen and Taylor. How Johnny Housen has been confirmed with COVID, so. What's your thoughts on the, the, the on the changes, guys? Do you think they were good moves overall, Tom? Yeah, definitely. I, I think McNair really kind of fit into that um, that house and role quite well. Um, but it, it did make me think afterwards um, that might be one of the areas that we're looking to bring in a player in January. Um, obviously, we we do have centre mid options, but none of them could really kind of do that house and role as effectively as him. Or uh, or even McNair kind of stepping into it. Uh, Taylor, I listened to to Wilder's interview after the match, and he he was kind of saying, you know, he, he's not played for for so long. Um, it, it might just be a little bit too much for him to play three games in a week. Absolutely, I thought Peltier did did a good job when called upon to, to step in there. I do expect that we'll probably see Taylor back in there on on Saturday. Uh, yeah, on Saturday. I think I forget what day it is around Christmas time. <laughs> it doesn't matter. There's no uh, days anymore. Yeah, I'm just everyone's full of cheese and beer. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'd expect to see Taylor back in for Sheffield United. Um, but good moves last night. Yeah, would you, would you like to see Bamba back in the centre uh, centre back again at the weekend? 
Um, I think I think it depends. I think Housen's probably still going to be isolating, right? Um, I mean, yeah. depend depend on when he's picked up, but it seems to be within the last week. So, yeah, got no no problem with Bamba playing there for for Saturday. Okay, so let's talk about the game then, Dana, because how would you assess the game against Blackpool? Because it was something that we haven't seen under Chris Wilder just yet. Yeah, I agree with Tom that it was a it was an entertaining game. I don't think either side had control of midfield, which is why it was like how it was, and it was end to end. It was entertaining. Um, Borough weren't at their best. It certainly wasn't a repeat of the Forest game or a similar standard of the Bournemouth and Forest game. I think Chris Wilder said that after the match, but it's though it's those types of games yesterday that really show a good team with a good manager. Because if you win in the way that we did yesterday, you have to be serious promotion contenders because it's the little kind of gritty ones where, as I said earlier at the top, that when you get pegged back, it's your reaction to it. And it seems as though Chris Wilder has already stamped that winning mentality into the team because previously in previous seasons, even going on maybe this season under Warnock and certainly last season as well, we have been guilty of maybe dropping a little bit and slumping in our shoulders and our we look a little bit defeated once we've been pegged back in that way. And for us to come back from that, and bear in mind, this was a really late sucker punch for Borough. The way that we had that hunger and desire to get back into the game immediately was so impressive. You saw Isaiah Jones um, going to tackle Dimitri Mitchell. I don't know what he was trying to do trying to dribble out when he, his team had literally just scored that equaliser. Um, and not only that, obviously, after that, he sprints forward, he accelerates forward, and then you see the likes of Crooks and Tav and Watmore busting a gut to get into the box. And that hunger and desire was so admirable and impressive yesterday that even when we did have that disappointment with the goal, which was disappointing anyway because it was a lack of communication, I think, from Lumley, Dyke, Steele and Fry. To come back from that the way that we did was so, so impressive and it shows that we really need to be taken seriously this season. Tom, would you agree with, with Dennis Thorsey saying like the hunger was probably the difference between the two sides? Yeah, yeah definitely, because um, you, look, you look at the way play was going when they scored that. I was a bit worried for the couple of minutes after that that you know it might be Blackpool in the ascendancy and they're going to be the more likely one to go on to get a winner. But I think the fact that you've you've still got Jones kind of like chasing down and winning the ball like that in the ninety second minute or whenever it was, it, it does does kind of embody the, the hunger from the team um, and, and you know that desire to win. So you know, I agree with what Dan So it was absolutely great way to great way to win that. I also agree with what you said about the um, the neither team having control of the midfield. Um, yeah, it did look at times yesterday that we couldn't string two passes together in the midfield and couldn't get out a row and half. That was specifically after we went one nil up. You know, Blackpool had, had a very kind of long spell in uh, in possession and and obviously did look like doing something. Um, but you know, we, we we battle hard to to kind of keep them out. And uh, again, it just goes back to that desire to desire to win. Well, how how would you think Blackpool were able to to break Borough down? Because that's probably the first time we've seen a Chris Wilder side be under the clash, and we've managed to to pull to pull through, of course, and we managed to win the game. But it was the first time we we had a bit of problems. But why do you think Blackpool were able to find success whilst other teams couldn't? I thought they kind of played similarly to us in terms of the pressing. But one thing I did notice in the the first half was they were very compact while they were doing it. 
there was there was no room for us uh, to work as as we normally would. It was definitely up to the midfielders to find space in between the lines and, and try and turn and, and get other players involved. There were long periods where we did have possession of the ball, but we were kind of going from side to side looking for an angle to get through. But what what was good there is that we were patient with it, whereas under under Warnock earlier in the season, it would have been a long ball forward to to have one of the wingers. Not that we didn't see that yesterday, but um, it, it was done with a purpose and and usually found the target, uh, unlike what was happening kind of earlier in the season. Um, I think just kind of being patient paid off for us yesterday, um, especially the way they were setting up to to kind of nullify us. Yeah, it's always difficult when teams are very compact, and it's probably the reason why Middlesbrough had forty-seven percent of the, when we did have the ball. Forty-seven uh, percent of it was on that right-hand side, and we were trying to cause overloads and trying to stretch teams. Do you think that? Why do you think Chris Wilder opted towards that dinner? What do you think it was because of the compact shape of Blackpool? It could well be. It was the same against Forest as well, but we have been predominantly right-sided dominant um, under Chris Wilder because I think the combinations are just so good there. And I kind of spoke to you about the left-hand side and maybe the inclusion of a right-footer on the left. The defence could maybe not really do much favours for that left-hand side because different angles, I guess, more more comfortable to maybe work on that right, right foot as opposed to the left. Um, but on the right side, we do have those combinations that just seem really practiced. And you you see a lot of our goals this season under Chris Wilder have been scored on that right-hand side where you see Jones will tuck into a half space and um, there'll be an overload out wide or Dyke still will overlap, sorry. And then it causes problems for teams because they don't know who to mark. It disrupts their shape. And it's that avenue for Boris to get forward and to get in between the lines and... It is such a, a, a joy to watch us on that right-hand side because we do seem so effective. Remember the commentator for the Forest game said that he asked Steve Cooper, Forest manager, um, basically their biggest threat, our biggest threat, sorry, and he said Jones straight off the bat. So it, it shows that that side is working and I think it's always really going to be Borough's right-hand side. I did mention last podcast, I think we are more balanced. I still would like to see more on that left but the right is absolutely fantastic. The combinations, the work, the link-up play between the strikers, the right-sided centre-half, right wing-back and, and right-sided central midfielder is just so, so good. Mm. With, with that, though, because I appreciate Middlesbrough going to be in the, active in the market in, in January, do you think that we could potentially maybe see a more attacking left-sided player come in? and play on that on that wing because it would help obviously help with balance and of course and take the pressure off Jones. But do you think that's something that could be feasible or would you like to stick with what we've got in terms of Taylor and have that defense defensive shape? I think Taylor's fine and Baller's fine. I, I I still would quite like to see a little bit more attacking output from Baller because I think he's capable of it. But it's that left channel for me. And we'll go on to Aaron Connolly later. I think there's a part of his game that would really benefit that left-hand side of, of Borough's team. Hmm. So him coming in, there's a definite positive in that. But I am really interested in the left footer on the left because Chris Wilder did say in one of his first press conferences of him wanting left footers on the left and right footers on the right. And I think Fry and, and McNair have done well when they've played there. But in terms of the build-up from the back, it might not be so much of a 
of a need, but it would be it would be nice to have a left footer um, just because mm. I think it does create different and more comfortable angles for maybe the wide players and then for Tav especially as well when he's kind of dropping deep. So, yeah, we could well see a, a left-sided player, but I don't think a left, a left wing back, obviously Aaron Connolly coming in, maybe a left-footed centre-back. Mm. Okay, well, we'll come on to Aaron Connolly very shortly, but I think if we... In an in a, in a ideal world, I would love us to sign Theo Bongonda from Genk as a as a left winger. Um, I think he I think he's wonderful. Um, but that, that is very much a dream dream signing. But um, Tom, let's move on to like after the game because although Millsborough won yesterday, Chris Wilder wasn't particularly happy with the performance, but was glad that Millsborough found a way to win. Is it refreshing to hear a manager say that and have such high standards? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know we we talked about it a couple of weeks ago after after one of the games, and and, and it was kind of the, the same then. But it's I think it was obvious to to everyone that we didn't play as well as we could have done last night. I think when you look at it in comparison to the Forest game, Blackpool really made it a lot harder for us than than Forest did, um, and and prevented us from playing the way we would have liked to. Um, but we obviously still found a way to win. And the fact that we've got those standards, um, it, it is good to hear. Um, uh, you know, I don't think we've had anyone after Karanka, maybe, who has really kind of had that type of standards where it's like we won, but we weren't at the races and we need to do better. Um, so I, I think it's it's just really good when when you when you have managers like that. I think it's it shows a uh, Shows a pedigree, and you'd hope that that kind of attitudes and, and mentality rubs off on players as well. Oh yeah, absolutely, it does. And you think you think it probably has rubbed off with the players, uh, you know, obviously with the with the last minute goal. It shows real character, doesn't it, Dana, to to get through those difficult moments and find a way to win towards the end. And obviously, the scenes, of course, were were something special, weren't they? Yeah, it it was. As I said, the hunger and the desire from Jones to closed down Dimitri Mitchell. I mean, he's, he, he obviously smelt the opportunity and the the whole busting a gut to get into the box is so impressive really late on in the game. And Tav, Tav and Crooks especially, the amount of energy that they must spend in the game is phenomenal. The fact that they're, they're charging up towards that box to try and get the get the goal and I tell you what when you look same you look same because that flicks off Duncan Watmore's toenail really doesn't it it's it I didn't even think that you got a touch on it and I mean those celebrations I must admit I don't really remember too much from the second half other than the goals because I was just I, I stayed awake until five o'clock in the morning I didn't go to sleep <laughs> until then because I just couldn't process that game which is like, so... like, you, you cover like that Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. My mind was like spinning. I was like, "Jesus Christ, did that just happen?" Because um, we're so used to Borough letting us down, aren't we? We're so used to just saying, "Ah, oh, typical Borough. Next game might be okay." But when you win like that, it's just it's so so sweet, and I just loved it. I loved every minute of that, and I've thought a lot about Borough this week. Of am I getting too carried away? Am I getting a little bit too overexcited? But I don't care, really. Upon reflection, I don't care because I'm not saying that we're going to get promoted. If we get into the top six, fine. But it's almost irrelevant to me at this point because I'm just so happy watching us play the, this way, playing the way that we do. Of course, it helps when you're getting results. But it's moments like that that are just so 
unparalleled really absolutely unparalleled and Chris Wilder said it after the game that it really creates a bond between the fans the staff and the and the players as well so yeah it was brilliant I think it's a it's a it's a case of the new Middlesbrough really um I've got a, a blog post which is going out probably tomorrow around around where we were in April in terms of like the rebuild 5.0 and why Middlesbrough were always in rebuild and where we are few months later and it shows like this is probably the new Middlesbrough now where it's, it's going to be a new structure it's based on new different beliefs and, and behaviors and I think that Middlesbrough have probably turned a corner as a club now and I think we're in a much better place than where we were a few months ago and it's very much long-term process driven now and the key behaviors of what Chris Wilder's bringing the club is probably resonating with the players is just as much as the fans as well and they all interlink together Um I think it's, it's, it's the signs of a very very good team when you don't play well and you pick up the three points. And I think that breeds confidence. And it, obviously when we look at the game in Sheffield United on New Year's Day, Millsburg and go to that with so much confidence and have that belief instilled them that they can always get something, even in the darkest moments. And I think that's where we could potentially be, hopefully coming into the season. I don't think you'd be in too um, optimistic, to be honest, Dan. I think when, when you watch this club now and watch the style of football we're playing and the way we're playing and getting results under Chris Wilder, I think... It, it's very justified, to be honest. I, I, there's not many teams at the moment in the league where I'm thinking, I fear you, you know. Uh, maybe there's probably Blackburn who are just absolutely flying at the moment and they're looking like they can beat anyone. Um, but other than that, you've, you've got your result against Bournemouth. You've drew against Fulham. You know, you've you've beaten Swansea. You've beaten Nottingham Forest, who are all in around you. You've drew West Brom under, under a previous regime as well. So it's, it's all signs there where you can really look up and... January could be a very, very good time for us. But overall, would you say that Millsbury were deserving of three points at the end? No? Yes, Tom? Yeah, of course we were. <laughs> um, to, to, be, to be fair, like that could have went either way uh, at the end. Um, <clears throat> when that, that equaliser went in, like, my head went down a little bit watching it. Um but also, I was kind of like, oh, well, you know, they've had a long spell of dominance in the second half. That was probably deserved. And then when we yeah. went up the other end, it was like, no, we definitely deserve that. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think any result by the end of that would have been would have been a fair one, to be honest, um, just because of how well I, I think both teams played. Um, but, yeah, I'd definitely say we deserve that three points. I yeah. agree with that completely. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think... There was a period before they scored and it came through on my phone before I saw it in front of me. And I was like, I'm not obviously disappointed, but a draw isn't so bad of a result because as we've sort of mentioned, they had their chances. We had our chances. There was no control in midfield. It was an end-to-end game. A draw would have probably been a, a, well, it would have been a good result. I think it would have been a fair result. But then I think about how we responded to that setback. And when you play like that and I know this was only a period of like a minute or so but when you you don't have you don't like bow your heads down and feel sorry for yourselves and when you go try to try to attack and get that lead back that's where we deserved it and we've spoken a little bit earlier about the kind of feeling around the club and something's happening and it does feel like that it really really does feel like that and that's why I'm so happy with Middlesbrough right now because it's just it feels so good to feel good about your football club and to have this feeling of something's been created and I will say we've had a few false dawns under managers where we've maybe thought something's been creative created sorry but it just feels different this time we have as I mentioned last podcast probably the best manager in the championship I can only think of Marco Silva that is 
within that conversation and yeah there's there's something there's something in the air I tell you because between that Zink and Agle miss against Forest and then Borough scoring the late winner yesterday it's just football and gods are shining down on us at the moment absolutely football is life if you uh, watch Ted Lasso so um, let's keep the praise coming because we want to move into the praise and place. Um, of course, if it's the first time you listen to us, we do pick a player out each week and or, or two or three, um, and we say why we're going to praise them. Um, Dana, who is your praise and player of the game slash week? I have to go with Isaiah Jones. I have to. Uh-huh. I think, yeah, unbelievable again. And I, it's amazing and we tweeted about this after the game it's amazing to think that had Sami Amiobi been fit he probably wouldn't be at the club right now like that is crazy to think and he I mean another two assists yesterday I think he's got what three assists and a goal under Chris Wilder it might be more than that and it just feels as though that is only going to increase that his goal contributions are only going to they're going to be plentiful really under Chris Wilder and what's mostly impressive about Isaiah Jones and what doesn't really seem to be getting mentioned is that he's playing right wing back which is not his position he's a winger he's an attacking player a very old school attacking player in the sense that he's going to take his man on he's going to go around the outside and he's playing right wing back and the balance between his game defensively and offensively is really really good and fair play to Martin Carter who picked him up from two in a Mitchum because he is an absolute gem Oh, he really is. I mean, five assists for the full season now. Dana, he's, he's my uh, player in the present place as well. I think he's just came through and been a, a very, very good player to watch. And, you know, when with these players, you know, they come in with no expectation and fans, you know, when when a player comes through like that non-league, there's, obviously there's no, like I like was saying, obviously there's no expectation on them to do well. If they do well, fantastic. If they don't, then it's like a no, it's, it's not much of a loss, really, but he's just came on so, so much as the season's gone on. And it'd be exciting to see where he goes probably at the end of the season as well in terms of how he performs throughout. Um, but, Tom, who's going to be your player of the week? Uh, it's going to be free for free here. It has to be Jones as well. Another hat <laughs> Another hat Two hatties in a row. To be fair, we almost cursed Dyke Steele yesterday because many many, many people were blaming him for that um, equalising goal. So, fingers crossed we don't curse Zaya Jones here. Can't be Jones then. I thought he was rubbish yesterday. So. <laughs> <laughs> the good old Bora Breakdown curse lives on, eh? Do you remember my oh. cursed stat of the week? That's a throwback. Yeah, well, let's not do that. There's a reason why yeah. we got rid of that, Dan. There's a reason why we did that. Um, <laughs> but the, the, there is another player as well, which I want to uh, talk about. It's it's Sterling for Blackpool as well. He's on loan from Chelsea at the moment. And if we ever looking for a right wing, right wing back or a right uh, centre back, he's your boy, by the way. He's a very, very good player. I thought he gave, I thought he gave uh, Peltier a terrible time yesterday at times. You know, he made things really difficult and, you know, I think there's there's players out there. If you know, if if Jones was ever ever to leave, or we need a competition for that, there always is players that could compete at that level. And it'd be interesting to see if we do recall Spence, which I think I'm starting to think could potentially be unlikely. Um, but let's let's see what we can do and talk. Let's talk about transfers then, because there is a bit of transfer news, and Borough set to complete the the sign of Brighton striker Aaron Connolly on a six month loan deal. The 21 year old Irishman is in need of playing time after falling out of favour with Graham Potter. Uh, Dana, what can we expect from Aaron Connolly? Because you mentioned it a little bit earlier on, he could potentially fit on that left-hand side. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult to talk about him on the pitch because before you even get there, 
there's just a you're bombarded with incidents off it which has by all accounts maybe not derailed but it's definitely impacted his game a little bit and he's he's lost his way shall we say but when we're talking about him on the pitch I think he's somebody that is going to run the channels is going to stretch defenses he's got a, a knack of occupying that left hand half space which could really help Tav and it could really help Taylor or Baller or Peltier who whoever's on that left hand side because what we see right now with Middlesbrough is with Sparrow and Watmore and Crooks and Dykesdale the whole team is just on the left really um but we've got a, a provided he does actually sign, um, which by all accounts he will. Um, we will have a player that can float around those left left spaces, which will be fantastic for the likes of Tav, as I said. Um, he was once quite highly rated when he first broke through, and thanks to Albion Analytics for giving a, a little bit of an insight into this. Um, and he could complement Andras Barra's movement really well. We know how Andras works in the team um the good old pointing of the finger wanting to get in behind wanting to kind of drop he does drop deep he drops deep to receive um so he could really work well in tandem with andrew sparrow and he's well suited from uh press uh, to press in from the front i think his low center of gravity really helps with this because he can have that sort of change of pace to be able to kind of run down um defenders but he's not particularly clinical which I think we need in a striker right now even with so, Sparrow scoring three and three I think we still need a natural goal scorer shall we say so would you say then um Dana and Tom would you say that Borough probably in need of an additional striker on, on top of Connolly coming in then oh, yeah go on, Denny, 100%. You yeah 100% and I know we've been linked with Balogun if we sign Balogun it'll be one hell of a loan signing but I kind of have the feeling we might not um because there's other teams that are interested in them, in him, isn't there? So massive competition for him. But if we can bring him in alongside Connolly, then that would be fantastic. If it's just Connolly, it would be an interesting move. But I think we can, we need probably more than just him. Tom, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I think that we are going for the kind of two players in, in every position. Um, and, and you look at our options up front, you got Sparar and and Watmore who are the likely two to be staying. Ikpiazu looks like he's probably going to be off, uh, and then you got Hernandez who, although he did did a job the last couple of games, he's very much shoehorned into that position. It's just like when you got a fast player on FIFA and you shot him up front. So, um, <laughs> I, I, I do think we're after two strikers to kind of um, compete with with Sparar and Watmore for those those positions. Haven't done a I don't even want to call it research because it wasn't even that much in depth, but I haven't looked into Connolly a little bit because I admit I didn't know too much about him before we were linked with him. Um, he does look like all, all the things Dan's just said there, he, he does look like he's going to fit into the, the kind of pressing system. Um, and he, he looked kind of handy with, uh, with with shooting, like he knew where the goal is, but obviously that's, that's YouTube that made lead on Google look like a world beater so I'll reserve judgment on that um but you know it, it, it could potentially fit into the into the system and and then we'll be looking for for one more alongside him I reckon it's interesting because we got a question from Lou and he, he did say is Aaron Connolly the exact opposite of profile in what type of striker you need so I'm assuming from both of your opinions there you, you just think that we need probably one more striker to probably to get us over the line is that is that what you're trying to say to me 
Yeah, I get what Luke's saying because we've had a conversation about this. If we need a, a clinical kind of poacher, I guess, somebody that you're going to hang your hat on to finish their dinner. And as good as Sparat is at his link-up player, he misses a lot of chances that he probably should do better with. And this has been a problem with his game f- probably since... Well, I think the last time that he was clinical uh, was probably when he played for Slovan Bratislava. And then when he moved to Portugal, it kind of his finishing got a little bit um, interesting, should we say that? So, and then Watmore as well. I mean, Watmore is weird because he can score goals like the one against Huddersfield, the one against Sheffield United, and yet he misses the Stoke chance. It's absolutely mad. But yeah, we need a clinical, we need a clinical striker. So someone like a Balogun alongside Conley, and I'll be content with that. Okay, so let's move to the other end of the pitch then and, and let's move in again internally because Middlesbrough recalled Sol Brin uh, back from his loan for Queen of the South. Do you think he's returning to, to compete for that first choice shirt, Tom? Do you think it's a, it's something that we could be looking towards? I don't think so, but I, I, I think like he, he would get the chance if it, if it came up. Um, I read an article earlier which I thought made a very good point where we've got the three goalkeepers at the moment who are registered players, but Bryn wouldn't count as one of them because he's under 21. So it's potentially we're going to ship out one of those goalkeepers and use that that space for elsewhere on the pitch and have him kind of in and around the squad um, as third choice keeper. And, and like I say, if that opportunity did come up, I'm sure he would have got it. Um, I, I feel like that's probably the direction we're going to go and we're going to use that space for, for elsewhere on the pitch. Do you think it re- restricts his development then, Dana, if we're going to do that? Um, it depends how many opportunities he gets, to be honest, because he's vying for a, for a starting berth at his hometown club. I mean, that is fantastic motivation to up your game in training. And I know you can't really replicate what you do on the pitch in training, vice versa, whatever. But I, I think it's a big opportunity for him. The goalkeeping situation is definitely not set in stone. We've seen Lumley this season. We've seen Luke Daniels. To be honest, I'm surprised we haven't seen Sianovic, just given the uncertainty over who is really that number one. So it is a massive opportunity for Solbrin. And by all accounts, he's been fantastic at Queen of the South. So it much depends on how much game time he gets. I know we've got the Mansfield um, FA Cup tie where he could really stake his claim. So all the best to him. I think it's fantastic that we brought him back. He's obviously been really good at um, at the Dune Hammers, which is the best club nickname I think I've <laughs> ever heard. And um, hopefully he can, you know what, hopefully he can become our number one. That would be really, really good to see a local lad become a number one. So, so with that in mind, then is it? Do you reckon it's Stojanovic and maybe would you see a Daniels or Lumley leave, Tom? I think Stojanovic is pretty much nailed on, um, and this isn't kind of like in the know or anything. It's just the fact that he hasn't even featured <laughs> on, under Wilder, and yeah, it just doesn't doesn't ever seem like like getting that opportunity to come back. So I, I feel like his stays are numbered at Borough, and he'll probably be off. I don't think that Daniels will be off as well. I think he'll still be there as kind of the the second choice and and kind of battling with Solbrin for the shirt should anything happen to to Lumley at the moment. But um, yeah, I, I can't see two keepers going. I can definitely see Stojanovic going though. 
Okay, so let's 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 move on then. Let's move to to a new year, new Middlesbrough. Um, on New Year's Day, Middlesbrough travelled to Bramall Lane to play the high flying uh, Sheffield United again for under Paul Heckenbottom. Um, but let's let's break them down, guys, because we haven't got a Sheffield United uh, response this week. But we'll break them down ourselves. Tom, trying to do a bit of form on Sheffield United because they've since they've got a new manager, they've had a bit of a bounce, haven't they? Yeah, uh, Paul Heckenbottom, former Leeds manager, somehow getting this these results out of them. Uh, <laughs> didn't expect that when when uh, he got hired. But um, yeah, the one four out of the last five. Um, the only exception there being the nil nil draw against Coventry on the twentieth of November. Uh, but then after that, they beat Reading one nil away. Uh, Bristol City two nil at home. Cardiff three two away in in what looked like a. A great game there, and they even had a, a result against Fulham uh, last week, and and they've been off since the twentieth of December, um, so mm-hmm. they're going to probably be a little bit fresher than than us who have you know played all our our scheduled fixtures. So it should be a good one on on uh, New Year's Day. With, with that, then obviously them not playing from the twentieth of December. That could have a help or hindrance, couldn't it? Because as you've seen, as seen against Manchester United, against Newcastle, Man U can put one or two passes together. Chelsea have struggled when they've had that break as well. So do you think that could be a, a thing we could potentially look at? Yeah, I was thinking that when Tom mentioned it. Um, obviously, you said there that it, it could give them fresh legs, but it could hinder them as well because we have had the the matches in quick succession. So we'll be full of beans, if you like, and we'll be in the momentum, into the swing of things, and they will have a, a broken schedule. And this is a really interesting period in the Championship, actually, because we've had so many postponements that Borough have somehow managed to avoid. Again, look of Borough's luck is in at the moment, and other teams will have either a fixture pile up or really a lack of consistency QPR as well didn't have a game for I think 22 days or something like that and it'll be problematic for teams so it could well be problematic for Sheffield United as well and um, hopefully it is for the benefit of Borough. Okay so let's move to the team then because we've got a question from Jack and he said would you keep the same team against Sheffield United we felt look we felt we looked more disjointed, especially in midfield. So, Tom, you said you said at the start of the show that you'd probably bring Taylor back in. So maybe just the one change you'd go for. Yeah, potentially what more in for Hernandez as well. Um, but yeah, I don't see the the point in kind of making major changes there. I feel like Housen's still going to be an enforced change, and McNair's the best person to to fill in in that position. Taylor, I think it would be a lot more balanced if he was on the left hand side than having Peltier there, despite. You know, Peltier did a good job yesterday. Um, I, I do think in the in the limited time we've seen him, Taylor does a good job getting forward on that left hand side as well. So I'd like to see that. Um, but yeah, other than that, maybe maybe only what more in for Hernandez just for the fact that he scored and probably has a, a bit of confidence to take from that as well. So two changes for you, Tom. Then you, would you make any more from that, or were you happy with the two? I'd be happy with with the two there. Yeah, I think obviously it depends on on how soon um, Chris Wilder didn't actually mention COVID after the game, although I think it was on BBC T's pre-match that it was COVID. I think uh, Chris Wilder just said he was unavailable. So it was quite interesting his, um, I guess his choice of words there, but um, yeah, I don't know what the, the kind of isolation period is now, to be honest. So hopefully we can see him back soon because I think he's been outstanding under Chris Wilder, but I will probably only make, yeah, two two changes. I, I definitely agree with what Maureen for Hernandez. 
and it's either are really with Peltier and, and Taylor I think um, both similar players and that they've done solid jobs in there in that position Okay so what's your predictions then going on New Year's Day apart from you being hung over of course um, what's what's going to be your Which score predictions <laughs> oh well both is probably yeah, <laughs> yeah Tom's, on, Tom's on the tinnies already isn't he? I've been on um, the Disneyland but I've already um, drank it See, there's me, the sore one, you know, because I, I, I have to guide the ship. Um, but, <laughs> uh, I'm go? getting excited. I, I can't. Have, as, soon as, we, as soon as we stop, I'm going to open a bevy as well. Um, and on enjoy the piss for Chris. So. On, on the piss for Chris. Oh, yeah, on the piss uh, for Chris. With my empty glass. <laughs> Actually, I've got a drink here, but it's not alcoholic. So on the piss for Chris. On the, on the piss. Shout Chris. out to Ian Smith for that. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, well, don't worry. Ian's gonna get Ian's gonna be getting another shower in about thirty seconds. So um... <laughs> he doesn't need any more. <laughs> doesn't need any more. Um, but finally, predictions: what he's gonna go for? Are you thinking Middlesbrough win on New Year's Day, Tom? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go one 0 win. Um... He loves a win, doesn't he? At the moment, you Tom, you're so optimistic. Optimistic, Tom is back. Optimistic. Let's say. <laughs> oh no. Uh... <laughs> I can I can just see it being kind of a, a, a very difficult game and it just coming down to one goal and I think we'll get that. Okay, one nil for Tom. Dana, what are you going to go for? I'm scared of this one because it's January. Um, <laughs> oof, I think it's going to be tight again. Um, you know what? I'm going to repeat the score from the Blackpool game, which I actually got right. Two uh, one Borough. Two on Borough. I'm going to go with one all. I think it's going to be a one all. I think it's going to be a tough game. Fatigue might fit in, uh, like hit us. Of course, there might be a bit fresher, but obviously it can work both ways, couldn't it? But I'm going to go with one all. I think yeah. Chris Wilder's return to Bramall Lane as well. Yeah, that's it. Narrative. It's going to be a, yeah, well, interesting narrative. It'd be beautiful. You know what you said on the previous podcast where. We could shit how we were waiting for a team to like blow away, and we could shit house ourselves to a five 0 win, and just be, <laughs> just ruin everyone's day. Um, that would be ideal, wouldn't it? But let let's move on to questions, then, because you send in the questions on uh, Twitter, and we answer them on the podcast. And another shout out for Ian Smith. Um, he says, "Do you do we need major surgery in January, or just the odd tweak here and there?" I'd be loath to see too many changes, given what Wilder is getting from the squad we have currently. Dinner, major surgery, or just the odd tweak? Just the odd tweak. I think adding meat to the bones, as I mentioned last pod. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, obviously, there's going to be outgoings. Uh, Chris Wilder has said that himself, that there's a few close um, outgoings. Um, but I don't think we need to really majorly disrupt the team. I think it's good the blend that we've got at the moment. Um, as I said, it's just adding that little bit of extra quality. Okay. Um, so next question is from Jake. And he says... Is there any worry that we could see a similar pattern to last season where we went went into January in good form and then made a bunch of signings that appeared very good on face value, but then end up getting worse results by the end of the year? Now, Middlesbrough are, not, are renowned to have a, 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 Jan, a, a port, well New Year dip, isn't it? Like a New Year dip. We always have that New Year dip. It's been happening for many, many years. Um, but Tom, do you think we'll see the same this year? I think it's always a concern, just because, like you say, it's it's what we're known for, really. If it, if it's not January, it's December, and we've had a good December. So, <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think, um, like Dan said earlier, it feels different now with Wilder. Um, I, I trust that we won't, and I hope that we won't. But touch wood, we won't. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be. Uh, 
be interesting to see how it unfolds, but I have, I have faith. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This time. Okay, um, next question is from Katie, and she says... Who are the players that move on in January? Wilder said recently that some players will leave and I'm not sure who it will be. Now, given that we think Stojanovic is absolutely nailed on, um, is there any going to be any surprises, Dana? Who do you think is going to potentially leave in January? Surprises. Can you class Lisa Leakey as a surprise? I don't know whether you can really class him as a surprise, to be honest. It's a difficult one. It's secret, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's a difficult one with him, isn't it? Because there's a there's an obligation to buy, but he's not getting on the pitch. And I can't even remember the last time we saw him on the pitch, if I'm being honest. So he could leave. Um, we've we've mentioned Hall before. I think he could potentially leave. In fact, I think he probably will at some point, be it January or the summer. Um, Ikpiezu's been linked with Millwall. I think he's obviously been made available for transfer as per a report that came out maybe a month ago now. And then Coburn on loan, potentially. You've got Marcus Brown coming back, um, who could be loaned out. You know what? I really want to know what we're going to do with Sami Amiobi. Because we don't play with wingers anymore, do we? And I can't see him playing wing back when he eventually does come back, whenever that will be. Um, but that's one for for much later on, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I think I think everyone that you've mentioned there on like Harlick, Piazu, obviously we could we could take Leah Saliki. I think like they are kind of like the names that you'd expect to probably move on or be or, or we've been open as a club to to get rid of them. 
I'm with you, Dan. I can't really see many surprises, to be honest, apart from those names. <laughs> then again, we, we we end up selling Tav, Crooks, and uh, Piero, and just, just, just go out. You know what we're selling? Everyone was going to play the kids for the rest of the season. Um, it'd be very boring, like, wouldn't it? Uh, but the next question, um, it's from Stuart and Dan, and he said, and they both said, what's your thoughts on the Piero situation? And Stuart went on to say, rarely getting minutes at the moment, could have been a chance to play him against Blackpool with Housen being injured. Um, hard to see us change in the midfield three when we all fit at the moment, considering we are getting wins. Can only assume uh, he will want to be playing. Uh, it's a bit of a strange one, isn't it, the Piero situation, Tom? Because, you know, he came in for a, a couple of million at the start of the season. It's been stop-start from due to injuries. Hasn't really featured much under Chris Wilder. It's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? Yeah, and I can imagine he probably will want to be playing, but I think it was summed up well there with the with the question. You can't see us changing the midfield free when we're all of it at the moment, and and we are winning. Um, you know, obviously it was an opportunity for him to play yesterday with Housen being gone, but I also don't think he'd have played that Housen role as effectively as Housen does. I think in terms of kind of a depth chart for our midfield at the moment, Leas Leak, he's kind of deputy, deputy behind Tav, uh, just from being that left footer on the left side, and Piero's behind Crooks, and you can't drop either one of those. So I'm, I'm sure it probably will happen for him. Um, it's just he's got to be patient and kind of wait for, I don't know, Crooks to be out of the team for whatever reason. It yeah, is interesting he's not getting yeah. a chance. Sorry, it's interesting he's not getting a chance off the bench because there's been a few games where I'm thinking um, Crooks and Tav have played so well and so hard. Like they've obviously worked so hard that fresh legs might be welcomed off the bench. And I know he came on, but it was only really for like, but felt like two seconds um, in, in a recent game. But it was Forrest that. Yeah, the last game, <laughs> the, the the last game before the one that we Cheers, Jeff. About <laughs> God, I don't know what time it is. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting. He's not really got gotten too much of an opportunity off the bench. But I I agree with what Tom said there. I think it was it was difficult for Piero yesterday because out of all the midfielders that you'd probably want to be unavailable in order to put Piero into the team, it was Housen that is definitely mm. not the player that you're gonna bring Piero into uh, into the team for. Actually, I just had a note about the uh, the Forest game as well. I don't, I don't know if you guys kind of picked up on this. Even though it was two minutes and it, it might be something not to, to read too much into, we did change shape when he came on and he was kind of the right attacking mid and Tav went to the left attacking mid position. So I, I don't... I mean, the only reason I kind of picked up on it was because everyone seemed to know where to go when that happened. So I don't know if that was like a different shape that we've worked on in case of any other situations or something, but it did seem interesting at the end of that game that the change of shape and the fact that it happened so quickly because everyone knew where they had to be for us. Yeah, it's, well, it comes back to good management and getting your point across, doesn't it? That's exactly what it, exactly what it is. Um, I think it, it's interesting to Pierre one because. I thought he would come in against Blackpool. I thought we might see Crooks maybe move into that defensive midfield role, even a Dyke steal. Obviously, McNair can play there as well. Um, but I thought Crooks would move defensively, would maybe bring Piero in, um, and we'd hopefully, hopefully, hopefully see Tav and Piero in as those attacking midfielders. Um, but it wasn't a B. I think that could be something we look at, especially if Housen's out for a couple of weeks now with, uh, with COVID. So... We'll we'll see on that one. Um, I can't see us overly relying on on Bamber in, in centre back, even though he did very very well, and he you know he's reliant and to have him in. But 
I would prefer to see McNair central and centre back and then have Crooks defensively and Piero in. That's just my personal preference. But it's interesting. I can't see him leaving the club at all, but I think you, you never know what Millsborough these days. Um, but last question, it's from Dan. He says, would missing out on the playoffs this season be a disaster? Bearing in mind current, uh, <clears throat> bearing in mind the current building up feel good feel good factor at the Riverside. So if Middlesbrough missed out on the playoffs, Tom, is it the end of the world? Oh no, because we'll win it all next season. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel like next season with the feel good factor at the moment, it, it would be one to remember. And I, I feel like it, it's already getting to that point with like the connection between the players and the fans. I think you saw that yesterday after the the Blackpool game and. So I, I get the feeling now that COVID permitting, we're going to see a lot more kind of away sellouts and massive allocations being taken. Um, and it, it's got that kind of feel about it from the last time uh, we, we had that kind of feel good factor. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I don't think it would be the end of the world. I think we'd have a full season of that and it would be great. It'd be one to remember. Um, but I also think it'd be great if, if we, if we got to the playoffs and, hopefully put an end to the Wembley curse. There's only one man that can do it. It's Chris Wilder. Uh, Dana, what, what are your thoughts on it? Is it, a, is it a disaster? No, it's not a disaster. Of course, it'll be disappointing because we are riding the quest, quest the crest of a wave um, at the moment. And we are so happy. I've been watching too many football highlights, clearly. Um, and it just seems as though the perfect ending, of course, would be to to see Bor in the top six come May, but it wouldn't be a disaster. I think I agree with Tom of seeing a full season of Wilder Ball in the championship is really not that bad. That is a really nice prospect there. So I'm somebody that really likes to see it from start to finish, really. And mm. um yeah, I would I would like to see it from from start to finish. So it wouldn't be a disaster, no. And you can get uh, quests for 99p a month with Dana 99. That's <laughs> uh, Dana 99 for quests for 99p a month. Oh, um, but but with with that, I I was going to say for, for Middlesbrough, the way that we've restructured the club this year, I think you, we I don't think we'll see the, the the fruit of this for another two or three years, to be honest. And I think Middlesbrough will probably and hopefully, if we don't get promoted this year, next season would be probably be a given. But I think given the way we've restructured now off the pitch and where it's being portrayed on it, I think you've got a couple of years there just to really see the fruit of it and watch us really blossom in a much more like a sustainable new Middlesbrough future, really. Um, so I don't think it's a disaster. I think if anything, we just build on something. We just keep building and building and building until it's really solid. Um, but even if we went up, it wouldn't it'd be amazing anyway just to go up and have that Wembley curse beating. Oh, we could have hit the top two, 26 points away. Um, who knows? It's the it. championship. It's a championship. Anything can happen. But that's it, guys. Thank you very much for joining me, as always. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you for listening. And Bora, I've been absolutely electric with a Slovenia man on song. Because I'll be you and you'll be me. There's lots and lots for us to see. There's lots and lots for us to do. Peace, Slovenian. Can I be Slovenian too? This is the Bora Breakdown Podcast. And that was all your match day chatter in a pod. <laughs>